Hi, I'm Deepak Madnani, entrepreneur, problem solver, and amateur barista. I am on a mission to help forward-thinking entrepreneurs succeed and grow by understanding two simple rules. Crisis is a clarity opportunity, and the question is never really the question. Today, I am putting my barista skills to the test and sharing a cup of coffee with resilient problem solvers from all over the world. Let's get started. All right, so this is called Deepak Has Coffee. So I have the pleasure... Uh, in this episode to interview, listen, hear the stories, share with two awesome guests, Manoj Madnani, my older brother, four years older, living in Dubai, and my twin, Dr. Madnani. He's in advertising all over the US. I keep getting people sending me WhatsApp messages of, when did this happen to you? So I'm not the plastic surgeon. My brother is. I am the entrepreneur. My older brother, Manoj Madnani, based in Dubai, is an entrepreneur in private equity, oil, gas, infrastructure, aviation, technology, AI, etc. He's got a very diverse international background, lived and worked in more countries than me. You guys will hear my story a bit in, in the first episode. My twin, Dr. Dilip Madnani, is a leading plastic surgeon in New York. He's also a social media influencer. And what I mean by that is not just he's got tens of thousands of followers, but he does awesome work. And his approach to the work is quite unique. And uh, my two brothers' approach to their work is quite unique. Let's go. I wanted to touch on your stories a bit, guys. Manoj, if you can give us a bird's eye view of the last, let's just go back 15 years. I, and I know, I mean, we could go back so far, but let's just go back 15 years. Just take us through what you've, what you've been through. I think what I'll do is I'm going to actually go back to the beginning because I can finish it quicker and it'll, it'll all make sense. Basically, all of us born in Hong Kong, Studied there until I was 10, school in Switzerland, college in the U.S. at Babson, school at Eglon. And then after that, went straight into the family business. I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a trader slash entrepreneur. I enjoyed growing up and watching our house be the United Nations of having all these global customers coming in, all these languages being spoken. And I just enjoyed the relationship aspect of our father's business. And I thought that it inspired me and made me realize that if you could develop the right relationships, you could actually go out there and build a capital base. And we saw at one time, our father built one of the largest trading companies globally. Let's just clarify by trading. This is an import export operation of people manufacturing Correct. goods all over Asia and exporting all over the world. So just, just to Correct. clarify, when we say trading, that's all good. And effectively, I saw access to the world's biggest markets, Middle East, Africa, emerging markets, and effectively then effectively understood how that entire supply chain functioned. And coming back out of college, I delved straight into the business. At that time, there were no internships. There was no summer school planning. It was just going straight in and understanding what was the skill sets. And then looking at how do we grow that business, took on the mantle of growing that business into Central and South America, spent a couple of years out there, effectively understood how to do things and how not to do things. 1994, moved to Poland, effectively went there, our father again. This is the switch from understanding the business out in Asia, then moving to Central South America for four years, and now we're shifting to Eastern Europe as well. And then effectively doing the same kind of uh, business, but more localized marketing, Poland and Russia, and effectively understanding how Central and Eastern Europe 
was playing such a key role at that time. It was post-communism, a lot of things going on, a lot of great opportunities. At that time, Poland had not joined the European Union. And then after that, we morphed into 1997, where Asia went through their financial crisis, and that affected our entire group. It taught us basically the ability how to rebuild, how to take ourselves and just deal with uncertainty overnight and made me realize the values of what I call today AFO, which is adaptability, flexibility, and optionality, and took whatever skill set we had by trading globally and building a presence locally into Poland. I got married in 1995. My wife and I have three kids, and um, we raised our children there, delved into a few businesses, some in the retail sector, some in the F&B sector, the children's play center sector, and spent some time delving in a few things. 2005, moved to Kuwait, where then I took a job working as the managing director of one of the local sheikhs out there, running their family investment office globally, which then got me into the investment space. And then from there, built a niche in energy, energy trading, energy advisory, and got heavy into the energy sector and did a landmark transaction between the Polish government and the Kuwaiti government, which got me onto the radar of Poland's wealthiest man, Dr. Jan Kulczyk, that owned the refinery in Poland. And then based on that, that was a relationship move through one of my very close friends, Dariusz Miduski, and that effectively changed my entire trajectory. And I moved to Dubai in 2007. Until 2015, I was one of the five right-hand men of Dr. Jan Kulczyk and effectively built a global business in the natural resource and infrastructure sector globally, which was private equity, investing with a family background. Manoj, being the older brother, joined the family business first originally. Our father was a pioneer in his time, coming to Hong Kong back in the 60s, early 60s with literally one of those stories, I mean, with like zero in his pocket. So, I mean, a really poor family. I mean, India was post-colonial rule, and we all know post-colonial rule is when they drain the country of all its resources. They leave the country poor and uh, desperate. A lot of the um, diaspora globally, you'll find, is a result of the exodus because they had to go find opportunity. And our community, we're known as Sindhis, our community is known to be quite business-minded, very entrepreneurial in all corners of the world. So starting a business for us is, is, is quite natural. Uh, that doesn't mean we know how to run businesses, as you'll hear more about my dad's story and how it impacted my older brother and me. But let's shift to Dilip, Dr. Madnani. Dilip? Okay, so I guess from my story, I guess um, I knew, I guess the opposite of Manoja. Did not want to go into the family business, but I knew that I, for some reason, uh, I always want to be a doctor. And uh, it was just a simple thing of just wanting to help people. And that was as a kid. You were 14 when it was super clear, right? I remember it was in school, you already were talking about, I'm going to become a doctor. No parents ever going to say, no, don't do that when you say you want to be a doctor. So that was always from the beginning. I consider myself lucky with respect to, I always knew what I wanted to do. So my 100% focus was just getting into medical school. And, you know, it goes with all of its trials and tribulations and self-motivation and just that drive to do that. So that was pretty much, you know, same thing with Manoj and, and you, uh, boarding school uh, till 18 in Switzerland and then college, Brown University uh, for four years. That's when Deepak and I kind of separated too for the first time. Uh, not having a twin around was also tough for me because I think we played off our personalities quite a bit. And Deepak was the door opener for a lot of our relationships back then. And then medical school also 
in the United States was tough to get in. So that was a whole other trial and tribulation there. Uh, but I managed to get in. And then I got residency. I managed to get in as well in New York from 2001, 2006. And uh, I'm a head and neck surgeon, uh, ENT head and neck surgeon. So I was lucky to be able to do that in New York. That was about 32. I got married, I think, the last year of residency. Being a foreign student in, in, in America, I had to leave. I didn't want to work for other people. So the only way I could do it, um, and I guess that was part of my entrepreneurial uh, spirit, was I just wanted to open up my own shop. But in New York, I couldn't do that because I didn't have a green card and I didn't, couldn't get my own license on my own. So I had to go to New Mexico or, or an underserved area. And I did that. So we moved there right after we got married. Work there was great because I was able to get my green card, but then the opportunities there were fantastic because I was the only head and neck surgeon in that corner of the state. So I actually ended up opening two practices there uh, in a span of about two, three years being right out of residency, which is awesome. And then unfortunately, my older daughter was born with a lot of health issues and that put a brakes on everything. So literally within about 30 days of coming out of the ICU, we pretty much, I closed everything up and moved back to New York and started from scratch. I barely had my New York license, but we just moved back to get her healthcare sorted up. So we started from scratch from there. And what I did was I pivoted from doing my general ENT head and neck surgery. I had an opportunity to work with my other ENT friends, my plastic surgery friends. So I pivoted. There was a company called Lifestyle that some of my colleagues were working under, and I worked with them. It was just an interesting opportunity because it was more, quote-unquote, retail medicine. It was cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery. So it was another side of medicine that I wanted to get into. It's something that everybody wants to try to get into because there's no insurance. It's just it's cash business, but it's also the aesthetic side of, of, uh, of what I trained to do, which was something I was always interested in, but I never really had a foot in the door. But I had an opportunity to train with this company. This company went under after about three years of me working with them, not because of me, just because the company had its own internal issues, which was phenomenal to see because this was a national company. And they were very transparent with everything. So I got to learn the insights of how this national company is retail medicine in the United States, how I was part of the growth. And then I watched their demise from the inside, which was very interesting to see. Then I started opening my own practices from then. And now I'm pretty much just doing facial cosmetic surgery here in New York. And I have two practices right now. We just moved into our beautiful new office here on uh, 61st and 5th. And Phil, we're just at the beginning of where we're going to be at, which is interesting or a wonderful opportunity to be at. Thanks, guys, for sharing that. What you'll hear is a common thread between all of our stories. And actually, we are a story of immigrants. We are a story of, I, I guess it's the typical entrepreneur story. You know, it's kind of like people drawing this line of average in the stock market and the and you know and the the line is just showing it's up right when you when you when you draw a line of average right when you look at the chart details i mean whoa the volatility the ups and downs the uh, teetering on bankruptcy crisis and bankruptcy in different aspects as well it's not just financial bankruptcy right we're talking relationships we're talking resources we're talking the actual business model that we're facing Manoj, let me start off with you. You went from country to country to country to country. And you talk about your story. Again, this is just typical for, for most of my guests. We talk about the story as if we're like brushing our teeth. Moving from country to country to country. And let's be honest here. You moved to Eastern Europe. You moved to the Middle East. Being Indian and a, a person of color. Tell me about that. One thing is very clear. Our parents have raised us to be citizens of the world. And one thing that's very clear is that 
I'm a very proud Indian, and I can see very, very clearly that there is definitely a different approach or a different viewing of the Indian community in certain parts of the world. What is interesting is that our parents raised us to be first-class citizens, never to doubt ourselves and instilled in us a sense of confidence. And I, I get that, actually. I think it's something that we three have in the sense that I don't think we're insecure about our abilities to adjust anywhere. We went to school in Switzerland. We were probably one of the few Indian. I mean, I know when I reached Eglon in 1981, I was one of the few Indian students there, right? Hmm. And effectively, at the age of 10, I had to quickly assimilate and understand the European background. And I say this, I introduce this as part of my narrative that I believe I'm blessed to have had my Asian values, which was indoctrinated in us during our childhood, sent to Europe to gain our manners and gain our subtleties, and then sent to the U.S. to learn how to market to the entire world, <laughs> right? And I think if you take that entire thread, we can live anywhere. And you're absolutely correct. I mean, living in Kuwait, having such a high position there and people sort of questioning what nationality are you in, I introduce myself as an Indian with a British travel document, but I am Indian, definitely, 100%. And I think I'm not going to let my passport defy my, my culture or my nationality or who I feel nationally associated with. I think relationships matter. And what I enjoyed about being sent to Eglon at the age of 10 was it was 250 students, and I believe it was 55 nationalities. This is my life. This is exactly what I do now. That's a common I, theme, I think, for, for all, all three of us. It's just this global citizenship, this global view of, of the world that we have. We are comfortable, yes, yes. regardless of how the outside world, outside situation is, we are comfortable in literally anywhere. I lived, I lived in the north, north of Chile, a place called Iquique. Manoj also lived there for a bit. He was in Panama, Poland. I was in Czech Republic in Poland. Uh, everywhere we go, we learn the language. Right? right, we adapt and we assimilate. Right, right. This is not easy. Yeah. Then I moved to. I just moved to Central South America to grow the business. You know, again, we say it like, yeah, I just moved. You're coming in from Hong Kong. Yeah. Then I moved to Eastern Europe to set up a business in Poland and Russia. I mean, let's be clear here. Right. This is not. This is not easy. Right. I think what inspires me is I look at our father's journey where he left India. Our grandfather was at one time a very wealthy man and one day decided to give up his entire wealth. So they went from having everything to overnight having nothing. And our father said that he wanted to go out there and join his brother-in-law in Hong Kong, who was a very successful trader and join him and, and understand how the world functioned. And I think when I look at that ability to take a decision not knowing what is on the other side, not having access to social media, not having access to anything, but just saying, listen, I'm going to go halfway across the world and I'm going to take a chance with my life because at that time he had nothing to lose. He was a young man, he was single, and he said, let me just go up there and test it. And when I see that, I look at it today, yes, moving to a new country means you have to assimilate, you have to learn the cultures, the language we do, learn the language. Between us three, we do speak a lot of languages, but I find it part of our natural DNA that we assimilate and we take the time. We, The three of us value relationships. We value other people's culture. We want to understand. We want to fit in. Yet we have our own identity, but we're willing to assimilate into another culture. And I think 
that openness allows us to literally transcend and live anywhere in the world. We can move anywhere. And that openness is that adaptability as well, which is so, so critical because none of this can happen without that, right? Correct. I mean, one thing that I, that I say, Deepak and Dilip, I mean, the, the three words that I live by, and I tell this to everybody, I'm now Manoj Narendra Madnani 5.0 is base has a foundation of AFO, which is adaptability, flexibility, and optionality. Plans can change all the time. And I think the last 12 months have shown us we don't control anything. Things can move at a moment's notice and you have to constantly recalibrate. And that's how I treat moving to a new country, which is finding a new business partner, exploring something. It's I get that same rush as I do now, as I would do back then, going to a new place and saying, okay, how do I make this work? How do I make something? And not everything has worked. Some of it has just been a what I call a roadkill. So, okay, happens and then you you pick yourself up. A learning experience. Yes, absolutely. And you move on. And Dilip, trials and tribulations, right? Mm-hmm. What keeps you going? Again, immigrant New York visa, not even having a visa situation, right? And I'm going to come back to this uncertainty theme that is around all of us, at, at least our journeys, not even having a visa, then going and making the most of it. So the question wasn't ever, why me, right? Or why is this happening to me, right? That's not the question in your head, right? When you're trying to figure out what to do next, right? I mean, no, that's not 100% true. There's a lot of self-doubt. There's the very low points in your life where you do say that, where you feel sorry for yourself and you crawl into a hole. So I don't know if you guys have been there. I've definitely been there. Very dark space. But if somebody looks at you, Dilip, somebody looks at you and says, it's gone from New York, um, again, typical hardworking immigrant has gone to New Mexico, underserved area, right, to go make a life. It wasn't that uh, you weren't going to go to an underserved area. You went where the opportunity was, is, is my point. Yes, it was very binary. It was criteria and go. Yeah, so it's yeah. very opportunity driven. This is how this is how we are, right. right? We're not here saying why aren't there better opportunities. Right. We're here saying what's the best opportunity available, and let's go attack that. Because right. really, it, it is that it's not a half-hearted thing. No, this is this is all in. Manoj going to Central South America. Manoj going to Eastern Europe. It's not why am I going or all of that stuff. It is Dilip going to New Mexico. Dilip having to pack up in thirty days, coming back to New York. Again, that was the opportunity for your daughter, let's just say. But it's a family opportunity again, right? There's no doubt, regret's even the, the wrong word, right? There's no challenging of spending time thinking about why me? Why, why is this happening? Of course, there is that. I, I hear you. There is that whole, the crucible moments, right? That's why they're called crucible moments. I think one thing, again, that there's a parallel story around all three of us. But I'll say that for a lot of entrepreneurs. Jeez, these crucible moments, it's two sides of the same coin. The ambition and opportunity carries with it the uncertainty and the chasms of learning. Let's put it that way. So Dilip, tell me, jumping around, what's going on in your head? How are you approaching this then? Challenges and dark moments aside with the opportunities. You focus on the goals and whatever the goal is, you know? I mean, that's why speaking to you, speaking to Manon, just like, or doing these workshops, even whether it's Tony Robbins or whether it was Robin Sharma or whether it was all these things, it's eventually focusing on... You know, you ask why, why, why? Well, you keep moving that there's never a spot as to you sit back and like, why? It's it's your drive to do and become the best that you can. And it's a self-reinforcing prophecy because 
the harder you work, the luckier you get. But there's a point where you're working so hard and you're not going anywhere. And those are the dark moments. And then you notice that when you don't give up, you are moving forward. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of where it all goes. So it's, what's the drive? You said the drive is just to, to be the best which you can. And then what does that mean? Well, there's financial numbers you want to hit, which sound weird, but I think that's not something I'm shy about. Or I mean, but there's the financial numbers you want to hit. There's reputation numbers you want to hit, but there's also doing something that hasn't been done before. That's nothing, that's not very specific, but that's something I want to do something that hasn't been done before. I'm trying to do it in my field, but we're all in different fields. I'll try to be the best as you can in your field. So that's my driving motivation. Those three kind of general aspects. That was part one of my interview with my brothers, Manoj and Dr. Dilip Madnani. You can hear part two of the interview on the next episode of Deepak Has Coffee, where my brothers return to continue our conversations on the many facets of entrepreneurship and how we are each pursuing business growth and success. Listen in as we discuss healthy forecasting by putting our past into perspective, staying relevant, and giving ourselves permission to recalibrate. We'll also discuss how listening improves business sustainability and how having the right mentor can change everything. You can connect with Manoj on LinkedIn, and you can find out more about Dr. Dilip Madnani at www.drmadnani.com or on LinkedIn. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Did you have any moments of clarity? I would love for you to rate and review this episode. Your feedback is crucial to tailoring this content for your growth needs. If you would like to hear more, please be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn and or message me on dm at deepakscoffee.com.